This morning, I would like for us to pick up a little bit where we had gone last week. And last week, we had focused and turned our attention to the trouble, uh, the journey of Israel. They had come to the Mount Sinai, and at Mount Sinai, they had met with the Lord. They had gathered there, and as you recall, he gave to um, Moses the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them with his own finger, and that story is there. We learned last week that the great principle, the greatest commandments, Jesus said, were to love to God and love to others, which are outlined on how to do that in the Ten Commandments. Very clearly, you can see those commandments that apply in how to love God and those that how do we love our fellow man. So we had read for our scripture, and thank you very much. You did a beautiful job reading our scripture this morning and dealing with the promise that God had given to Abraham. And the wording is unique. As he gave the wording to Abraham, which we'll look at uh, briefly and then go on to our text today. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, we had read this morning. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse uh, those who curse you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And that has been true because they brought to us the Messiah. So if you would open your Bible, if you have it there, to Exodus chapter 23. In Exodus chapter 23, if you have the hard copy there in front of you, it's page 55. Exodus 23, as we pick up, now they're still at Mount Sinai. They spent about a year there at Mount Sinai, as we understand. And the Ten Commandments were given them, but, but much else happened besides just giving them the Ten Commandments. There was the organization, there was how the society of the new nation was to work. And God laid that all out to them so they could have an incredible powerful and unified nation together. He laid that out. And at this mountain, he made a covenant with them. He made a covenant. Now, we tend to think of covenants are kind of like contracts. We have a contract. So he said, well, if Jonathan gets into contracts all the time, it's work. So if, if you will do this for me, I will pay you this amount of money. So Jonathan looks as well, that money, yes, will cover what I've described for you. So let's have a contract. We'll sign a contract, and I do the work, and you better give me the money. You know, there's kind of going back and forth. There are other kinds of covenants and contracts that we have. Sometimes they are on property. I had a piece of property that had to have a right-of-way that was going through the property that we needed for utilities. And so there was a covenant that was made, an agreement, that when I bought the property, I knew that there was going to be underground, there was going to be a utilities that went through, and they needed access to that if there was ever an emergency. And so when I signed that covenant with them, made that agreement, I agreed that, yes, I would let them have that. So there was an exchange. I get the property, but they get the right to go across. So covenants are something that we have and we understand about. But God's covenants, God's covenants are unique. I don't know why I'm no longer advancing. God's covenants, I think my battery is now gone. Let's see. No, it should be. Okay, God's covenants are unique. And those covenants, those covenants need to... Um, Follow a different things. Now, let's see if it'll move again. There it went. So, covenants we might define as denotes a gracious undertaking entered into by God for the benefit and blessing of man. 
So the covenant was entered. It was a gracious act of God entered into by God for the benefit and the blessing of man. It's different than a normal covenant when I pay you this, you do this for me. It was a different relationship. So this was for the benefit of man. God entered into a gracious act. God was not looking to receive a blessing or something from us other than our love. So specifically, those who by faith receive the promises and commitment, commit themselves to the obligations, which are undertaken involves. So the person who is going to be part of the covenant receives that, by steps out in faith, receives that, that covenant part, that promises that are given to him. So God's covenants are not equal. When you go into a covenant, it's you have your half, I have my half. When we make a contract, I give you X amount. Money just represents our work, incidentally. So when you play a contract, I'm exchanging my work for your work. I'm exchanging my work for your services. That's not how it is with God. God's covenants are not like that. God's covenants are beyond that, and they are not equal. He does the action... And we just follow. <laughs> he is the one that does that. So God's part in our covenants is absolutely huge. Okay, have you found Exodus 23? Exodus 23. All right, we're going to pick up with verse 20, if you would. Pick up with verse 20. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. You need to know when you read this. That the angel that's being referred to here simply means the word is messenger. I'm sending a messenger. This messenger is Christ. The description here clearly indicates this is Christ. So here we have the Lord, which is the Lord speaking, said, I'm going to send someone. I'm sending my angel, this messenger that is going to come. And he is going to guide you and go, pay attention to him. And listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name, see that? My name is in him. He was God. So he came, and of course Israel rebelled against him when he came. Verse 22 going on. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. Same kind of concept that we saw given to Abraham. And my angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, to the Hittites, to the Perizzites, to the Canaanites, to the Hivites, to the Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. John and I, when we were visiting the Middle East, we saw those places. We walked right through. We went all through that area. We saw where the Canaanites were, the Hivites, as we traveled there last April. You could see where they had been. You could see the remains of where they were. They've been uh, from these different people. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water, and I will take away sickness from among you. Now, it's interesting that he says, worship the Lord. That's the first part, love to God, right? I shall have no other gods before me. I shall not make any graven images. See? Type of thing. The land was full of them. Canaanites were full of them. 
Baal worship was there. And so as they went through, don't get involved with them. Worship me. Don't bow down to their stones. They thought that those stones, those Middle Eastern people in the ancient Near Eastern, they thought that they had some kind of magical power. Don't be bothered. They don't. I'm the only one who has power. And more, and none of you will miscarry or be barren in your land, and I will give you a full lifespan, and I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. And if you recall, as they went through the conquering, how that happened, including Gideon, who took on that huge army with 300 men. Interesting part of that story is they had a torch and a trumpet. Remember that? He went out with a torch trumpet. They didn't take their sword. They didn't take anything like that. They took their torch and they attacked at night. And they surrounded them with torches and made noise with their trumpets. Well, when they got up in the middle of the night and they heard all this noise and these trumpets blasting and they saw the torch, the torches were carried to car for several hundred men. That's how they would have light. So it appeared that thousands were coming and they ran like squared chickens, you know. Before them, God got them into confusion. See, it's right there. And he's saying this at Mount Sinai. I will be uh, enemies that turn their backs and run, and I will be um, a hornet ahead of you and drive out the Hiphites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, uh, out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year. Because the land will become desolate, and the wild animals, too numerous for you. Remember, there were lions. Wild animals would be too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough and you're to take possession of the land. And I will establish... I will establish your borders from the Red Sea that you just crossed to the Mediterranean Sea, from the desert that you're in now up to the uh, Euphrates River. And I, will give you, and I will give into your hands the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not live in their land. Do not let them live in your land. It will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare for you. And as I read this, I couldn't help but go, wow. Wow. See, the covenant, the relationship that God is laying out to them of what he's going to do for them is not equal. <laughs> See what I mean? I will do all these things. I will drive them out. I will put them in confusion. I will send them. I will make you a blessing. I will give you, I will take care of your illnesses. I will be with you. You're going to be an incredible nation. You're going to be, I will do that. These are all the things I will do for you. Your obligation is, I will be your God. It's an incredible thing that he shares with them. Incredible covenant that he gives with them. All the things that he will do. All the power that he will extend. We heard that, and we're just earlier this morning we were talking about answering prayer and the power of prayer and the things that happened. And, and look what the prayer did for John Huss, if you saw that. John Huss. Just the next chapter, I just want to pick this up. And when Moses went and he went down and he told the people all of God's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything that the Lord has said, 
we will do. Everything you have said, we will do. Then the covenant was confirmed. You can read how they had a blood. They separated. They passed through. They had the blood spilled, signifying the importance of the covenant. When we have a contract or a covenant, we sign our name. We write our name on there. That's it. Sometimes they will have a, someone put a, their seal on it from a rotary, and they will put that on there. But if you know the story, the people reneged. But why? Why did they renege? Almost immediately, they were reneging on their promise. Everything that the Lord has said, we will do. But almost immediately, they were reneging. Why? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. The Lord knew. The Lord knew. The Lord knew these people. He knows us. The Lord knew what kind of people they were. They were human. They were sinners. They got involved with Baal worship. They got involved with idols. They got involved with keeping people. I mean, everything that the God asked them of them, they got involved with. It's sad, isn't it? Kind of you look back and read, what a sad thing, and and God would be with him, and and he showed them over and over and over and over again for hundreds of years. His blessing, if they would follow him. But all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Lord knew it. He knew it. He knew it. Luke 22. To look there, Luke 22. I'm going to pick up story now. Take that story and transport it into the New Testament. So, Luke 22. This is on the night when Jesus was betrayed. He sat with his disciples at the Lord's Supper. Luke 22. He just, he's, going to, he's going to the Lord's Supper. And he's gathered his apostles, his disciples are there with him. They're in the upper room. Verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eager desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Interesting that Jesus would say that. I I have uh, eagerly desired to eat this. I have eagerly wanted to do this. He's had other Passovers, but this one, I've eagerly desired to have this Passover with you. Indicating there's something special coming up here. Something's happening. For I tell you, he went on, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. That's when we gather with him. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which I give for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's why we copy and we do that. 
And in the same way, he goes on to say, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. New covenant. New covenant. A new covenant. A new agreement. The Lord who gave the covenant at Mount Sinai is now saying, I have a new covenant. Now we look at that new covenant, we examine that, and some people get confused about the covenants. They get all turned around about what they are. The new covenant is also called the covenant of grace or the everlasting covenant. Some say, well, that began at the cross. The everlasting covenant began at the cross. Not true. The Bible says that the Lord, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. From creation, he was slain. The new covenant began before the creation of the world. Because God knew we would need something else. So if we were to look at that, the old covenant, look at the old covenant, it says obey and live, disobey and die. And most people have chosen to live under the old covenant. That's the principles of the old covenant. That's what they agreed to at Mount Sinai. Well, if you obey, uh, these are all the things that I will do. If you disobey, you're going to have problems. They disobeyed. They needed a new covenant. This new covenant is very similar. The new covenant says if you obey and live, disobey and die. But if you disobey, repent. My own blood will pay for your sins. My own blood. So the new covenant was actually offered to Adam and Eve. It's eternal. Everlasting. Because the Lord had already prepared to know that man could sin. And when he did, he already had prepared a way. A way for us. So the Lord knew that Israel would fail to keep his covenant. He knows each of us fail too. He knows each of us fail too. And that, that recognition of God, and so not only will I bless you and work with you, but when you fail, I will even go beyond that. My covenant with you will be greater than any covenant you could imagine on earth. My covenant covers all possibilities, including Bill's sins. See? Yet he knows all that, yet he invites us to commit to his new covenant. See? He invites us to do that. So in actual fact, if you look at it, 
And you look back at Mount Sinai and what happened there and the covenant that they made was actually like a school lesson to them. Because he, he provided with them, he showed them, and then he provided, and we'll look at next week, how he developed a way for to take care of the sin problem. He showed them how to do that, and what was to be part of that. He taught them. He made this covenant. He said, these are the promises. This is what I'm going to do for you if you obey. Oh, yeah, we're there. Yeah, all that you said we will do. But he knew ahead of time, just like he knew prior to Mount Sinai. He knew human nature. But they went through that process. They went through making the covenant. They went through that and said, yes, we will do that. And immediately, they needed the new covenant. They immediately knew it. He knew we would be much happier if we obeyed. He gave us those great principles of love to God, love to our fellow men. Shining down through the Ten Commandments so that we would be happier. It keeps us out of trouble. If we follow those principles that are there, it's amazing. It is amazing how well we can get along with each other. True? And if it's true for the Sixth Commandments, about that if, if we do follow those and showing our love for others, then the, fourth, the first four have to be the same in our relationship with God. Shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It's very simple. Meaning I will not disrespect you by trashing your name. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so Don, I was in... Uh, I was in Oregon, <coughs> up in Portland, <coughs> and I met a woman who came to me and said, you're a pastor, aren't you? We were meeting in a, on a committee group that was not, uh, did not have a religious uh, connection, but she knew I was a pastor. She came up to me, young lady, probably, I say young lady, she was probably late 30s, early 40s. So she came up to me and she said, um, you're a pastor? And I said, yes. And she said, you know, I know nothing about religion. I know nothing. I, I know the use of Jesus as a swear word, but I know nothing other than that. I don't know why you have pictures of him or with him up on that cross. I know nothing about it. So when I use the name of God and so forth, it's always in swearing. Well, we took some time and we I actually shared with her my um, Jesus tapes. There are tapes about the life of Jesus and shared them with her. And I could tell where she was in the story of Jesus because she would call me and she says, hey, why are they putting Jesus under the water? What is that? <laughs> and I said, well, he's baptizing. What in the world is that? Why are they baptizing him? And then she would call are you kidding that he healed that man's eyes? He could see after that? Could that really happen? Or he raised him from the dead? And then when it came to the crucifixion, she got to the part she called me and said, I cannot believe that they killed that good man. But he's alive, huh? Is that true? So 
as she became acquainted with God, as the Spirit worked by respect for who that was, changed, you see, as she grew into the knowledge of Christ. So he knew that we would be much happier in our relationship with each other, in our relationship with him, if we would follow what he has asked. He knew, he said, just lay it out. You will be full of joy. You will have the happiness that you're looking for because you'll know how to love God and you'll know how to love your fellow man. And when you fail, you need to know, my grace is sufficient for you. Praise God. But he went on to say, I confirmed my covenant with you by my own blood. Just like Israel, just like Israel, as they split and they had a blood sacrifice and they passed through in that covenant before God, as they made that, you can read that in chapter 24, as they, as they made that covenant with God and ratified that covenant. Jesus on the cross ratified the covenant with you, if you wish. That my grace will be sufficient for you. And he asks, are you ready for our agreement? Are you ready to enter into our agreement? Well, I hope that all of you have said, yes, of course. I'm ready for your agreement. I'm ready to have your covenant. You know who I am. You know how I act. You know I'm trying to follow you. But you know I fail. And I thank you that your grace is sufficient but I want to walk through that sacrifice with you. I want to walk it. I lay down my life for you, Lord, because you love me and you fulfill your promises to me. You will bless me. You will save me. You will bless those around me. And I look forward to the time when we will sit down at the supper in heaven and have that meal together. Dear Lord, I thank you for the promise that you give to us. What an incredible, incredible gift. The invitation to have a covenant with you, an agreement in which you've already paid for it, that you've laid down, you're ready to ratify it if we just choose. If we choose to follow, that's all. Come and follow. I've laid out things for you, how to love God, how to love man. Lay them out for you. And I said, Lord, I see, I see. And again, I could say, all, all that the Lord has said, I will do. But you know me, and you know I need your grace. I thank you for this great revelation of truth. I thank you for what you've given to us. I thank you for your cross. I thank you for your resurrection and the promise that you will come and fulfill all of it to us soon. In Jesus' name, amen.